You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. The United States' reliance on the healthcare workforce of impoverished countries is causing great harm to the medical systems of those countries. These are the same countries that are the focus of U.S. and international aid efforts. Listen in today as we discuss what the U.S. and other Western countries can do to become more self-sufficient for our own medical care and, as a result, truly help those in great medical need around the world. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and joining me from Washington, D.C. is my guest, Dr. Fitzhugh Mullen. Dr. Mullen is the Murdoch Head Professor of Medicine and Health Policy at the George Washington University School of Public Health and Professor of Pediatrics at the George Washington University School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Mullen. Thank you, Dr. Margolin. Dr. Mullen, you explain in a recent article in the New England Journal of Medicine that the huge U.S. market for physicians has become an inadvertent strategy of dependence on the world's health care force. Can you explain this problem? The problem really began in an unnoticed fashion, probably in the 1970s, between 1965 and 19. 80, actually, we had a huge increase in the number of U.S. medical school graduates. But during that same period, as we became more and more specialized in our medical care, we opened more and more residency programs that consumed all of our graduates and a growing number of eagerly waiting international medical graduates who sought U.S. training. Most of those graduates over the years, regardless of what kind of program they came on, have by all evidence remained in the United States. So if you look at uh, trace residency programs in the United States, in the 1970s, perhaps 10 to 15 percent of the residents were foreign graduates, that is, graduates of medical schools outside of the United States. And during the 80s and 90s, that proceeded upwards till by the mid-90s, it reached about 25 percent of the uh, physicians enrolled in residency programs were foreign graduates. Only 75 percent were U.S. graduates. And again, all of those virtually were entering into the workforce and becoming part of the established physician workforce in this country. Today, those figures are quite stable. 25% of residents, almost 26% now, are foreign graduates. And about a quarter, 25% of our physicians in practice, are foreign graduates. So we have basically relied on the world for a quarter of our medical manpower in the United States, and that has become a kind of staple of our physician complement in this country. The U.S. did not intentionally implement a policy to cause migration, but what's our responsibility for the depletion of healthcare workers in developing countries? Well, interestingly, the principal visa under which foreign graduate residents came to this country over the years was, was what's called a J-1 visa, which is technically a foreign exchange visa. It's used for people who are in educational programs, it is designed to return people to their countries with upscaled knowledge. Uh, That visa has a requirement in it that following the training, an individual uh, must return to their country and is not eligible for re-entry into the United States for two years, uh, what was thought at the time to be enough to re-establish the person in their country. Well, over the years, that has proved um, totally uh, insubstantial, and in fact, Early on, in the 1960s actually, the requirement to return home was, um, to it was added a waiver that said, well, if the doctor is willing to practice in an underserved area in the United States following training, 
for a period of two years. The return home requirement would be waived, and the individual would become eligible for a green card, which would be a uh, first step on the way to permanent resident citizenship here. And virtually all J-Visa residents have used the J-Visa waiver and have become, in fact, an important part of at least a stopgap program to supply doctors to underserved areas, areas that we have been unable uh, and insufficiently committed to get our own doctors to practice in. We have doctors coming from abroad who do their initial training and then go for two years to these areas. Some stay long-term, most return to urban areas and pursue specialty practices like their U.S.-trained colleagues. Now, that is an actual act of public policy, the J-Visa waiver, that uh, essentially creates a vacuum or help creates a vacuum to suck people permanently into this country. That was never a stated educational policy or foreign policy objective uh, that we should use doctors from around the world to meet our needs, but in uh, actual practicality, it became that and has been in place, remains in place today, such that one quarter of our workforce uh, is trained abroad, a figure that I think uh, many physicians and many patients, most physicians and patients, while they're aware there are many uh, foreign graduate workers in the system, don't realize the magnitude of that. Right. It's really a high number. Dr. Mullen, you have stated that you see educating enough physicians to meet the needs of our own country as a priority. You called it a moral issue in a recent Global Health Summit. Why is it a moral issue? I think it's a moral issue because we are our brother's keepers in the broadest sense of the word. The health of the planet, uh, the health of the people on the planet, is an issue for all of us. Now, it's easier for people in any community in any part of the world to feel a more primary identity to the people nearby. And nationality and nationhood is a very strong identity sense, and we want to have enough doctors for America, and we want to have enough resources to give good care to our population. But uh, when one looks around the world, one quickly realizes we're at the very, very high end of the food chain. We have way more resources. Uh, we have 280 uh, doctors per 100,000 population. When you have countries in Africa that have, uh, Ghana has 13, South Africa has 60, uh, Mozambique has two physicians per 100,000. So when you look at uh, the staggering differences between our resources and those around the world, even India and the Philippines, from whom we draw huge numbers of physicians, have on the order of 60 or 70 physicians per 100,000, again, against our 280. So we are uh, very, very well endowed, and yet we continue to call on systems from around the world to train doctors to send them to New York and Los Angeles and points in between. That, in a global world in which people are suffering and dying at rates way higher than we are in this country, reaches the level, I think, of a moral issue. We in the United States can do better. We have the resources. We have a medical education system that's the apple of the world's eye. Uh, We have many U.S. citizens, many U.S. students who want to become physicians who can't become those because we don't have enough places in our medical schools. We've got a lot that we can do that we have not been doing that we should do. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest is Dr. Fitzhugh Mullen of George Washington University School of Public Health and the School of Medicine. He is a former director of the Bureau of Health Professionals and was an assistant surgeon general. Dr. Mullen, so... In order to help address those um, inequities 
if we were to train 100 percent of the medical professionals that we need in the U.S., and are we still training that 25 percent um, from other countries? Wouldn't we have a surplus? Well, the way it works, in fact, is that the ticket to practice in the United States uh, is not graduating from a U.S. medical school. It is graduating from a residency program, uh, which makes you eligible for license to practice in the United States, and that's the route that everybody has to go, whether a U.S. graduate or a foreign graduate. The number of residency programs is uh, limited. They are both subject to professional regulation terms of quality and, and content, and also uh, there is uh, a funding aspect. Well, there's a lot of debate about whether resident costs money or helps a hospital make money. In fact, Medicare subsidizes hospitals very substantially for having residents. It averages about $80,000 per resident per year that they pay to a hospital. A figure very few medical educators, and I dare say nobody on the street knows, and yet that is the fact, a very heavy subsidy for graduate medical education that does help pay for the salary and teaching of the resident, but it pays for a lot more in terms of hospital benefits. Now, about um, 1997, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services that runs the Medicare program put a cap on the number of residencies that they would uh, so fund. And that cap, that they limited the number, they said the number of residencies you have now, we will fund, but if you increase your number of residencies, we're not going to add Medicare dollars. You can do that with your own strategic planning. In all events, the number of residents has remained relatively stable for the last 10 years or so. Roughly, there are 100,000 uh, residents in the country in any given year. The important figure is that there are about 24,000 entry-level positions, that is, internship or first-year uh, training positions. And that really is the keyhole that everybody must go through to become eligible to eventually practice in the United States. We graduate only about 17,000 medical students, allopathic medical students, and another 1,000 or 1,500 osteopathic medical students who choose allopathic residency. So we have, call it 18 to 19,000 graduates of U.S. schools available each year, but there are 24,000 spots available. And that's where four, five, or 6,000 international medical graduates join the system every year and essentially stay in it uh, forever. If we had more U.S. graduates, that is, if we had 20,000 or 21,000 or 22,000 or 24,000, hospitals would undoubtedly select U.S. graduates, and the number of foreign graduates that are selected into the system would be diminished. Wouldn't it be based on quality? And if the foreign student was a better student, wouldn't they still be selected? That is uh, in the domain of each residency program director as he or she selects residents. Quality is certainly a concern. I think in general, most residency programs have tended to look to U.S. schools as a priority for reasons of familiarity, for reasons of the general quality of U.S. graduates as being excellent, and for culturally competent reasons. That is, these are folks who come from America and have come up through the system and in theory, and I think largely in fact, are attuned to the populations they're going to treat. There are fabulous foreign medical graduates, people who populate all of our specialties, our clinical programs, our teaching and research programs, and they've enriched the United States. And some residency program directors undoubtedly would uh, choose certain foreign graduates in preference to U.S. graduates. But by and large, I think the notion of the cultural competence and the 
the uh, citizenship, the ownership that a person has within a system, uh, real reasonably gives them first up for opportunities. And I think most uh, folks would, uh, most residency programs would select U.S. graduates, uh, and that would uh, evince a measure of responsibility within the United States for training people to meet the needs of our population. Thank you for listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest has been Dr. Fitzhugh Mullen, the Murdoch Head Professor of Medicine and Health Policy at the George Washington University School of Public Health and a Clinical Professor of Pediatrics at the George Washington University School of Medicine. Thank you for the interesting discussion, Dr. Mullen. Thank you, Dr. Margolin. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.